0: Um, today's reading it's taken from Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. Okay. In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the desert of Judea, and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the desert, Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair and he had a leather belt round his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptised by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptising, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I will tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptise you with water for repentance, but after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I cannot whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he, clear, and he will clear his thresh, threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the shaft with unquenchable fire.
1: So uh, we are on the brink of a new year, which of course means New Year's resolutions. So since we have everyone in, Uh, and said it's going to be a bit boring this is going to be fun we're going to have a wee quiz uh turn to the person next to you and i want you to think what are the four most common new year's resolutions for people in 2024 living in the uk most common new year's resolutions and i'll come round and get four answers most common new year's resolutions go i'll give you 30 seconds i can do the running i need to get my steps in uh, okay, what we're going to do is I'm going to collect I'm going to collect five answers and then Emir at the end will reveal if we've got uh, the top four. So put your paws in the air, do you have one, What what's a uh, New Year's resolution you think people have? I'll go down to the back, Emily's got her hand up, Emily, what do we reckon? Fireworks. Uh, okay, There's we got one answer, someone's resolution we think is to uh, fire off more fireworks in the New Year. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, Ben Cooper's is the score more tries this year. Let's get another one. Come down to the front. Let's go common New Year's resolution. Let's hear it. Lose
0: weight.
1: Lose weight, lose weight. Okay, there's, we've got two. We're going for five. I'm gonna step over some feet. Get fit. Get fit, lose weight, get fit. Jazz, we need one more after you. Stop
0: drinking coffee.
1: Stop drinking coffee. Where's Matt Bonds? Stop drinking coffee. Uh, Simon, last one. Eat healthy, give up drink, all that stuff. Eat healthy, give up drink, all that good stuff. Okay, Uh, let's reveal how have we done as a congregation. Let's go. What's number four? Make more time for hobbies. That was was one. Make more time for hobbies. Next one. Uh, Reduce stress. Look after yourself a wee bit better. Uh, Number two. Make more money, financial goals. Uh, Number one was fitness goals. So that that covers a broad range of lose weight, get fit, go to the gym more, etc. Way down at the bottom, actually, was give up smoking, drink, etc. I wonder if you have any New Year's resolutions. Uh, One of the reasons people do New Year's resolutions, of course, is they want to make way for something better in their life. They want to make way for something better in their life. They want to be fitter. They want to make more money. They want to have better relationships, better mental health. They want to make way, get rid of the old things that aren't good and bring in new things which are better. And the big idea of our passage this morning is make, (coughs) excuse me, make way for the king. Make way for the king. So for the kids, small and old, uh, here's some actions to help you remember that phrase, make way for the king. So make, like you're building something, make way, like you're making a road, way, make way for, self-explanatory, the king. So, make way for the king. I got confused. Make. That's why I don't do the actions on stage. Make way for the king. So, perhaps throughout this, uh, this sermon, whenever you hear the words make way, you can do make way. Whenever you hear king, you can do that. Whenever you hear the full phrase, make way way for the king do not follow dave you will get in trouble make way for the king so we're going to focus in on verse two if you have your bible or your youth booklet uh get it open verse two make way for the king let's let's reread verse two repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near so we're going to ask four questions to help us understand what this phrase means repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near what does that mean? Who's to do it? Why are we to do it? And how? How important is it? So first, what is repentance? Or to put it another way, what does it mean to repent? Now hopefully it's clear that I think the phrase make way is a helpful way of understanding what it means to repent, to make way. Let me illustrate that by things in our lives and from the passage. So first one, uh, we've got a picture Behind, picture of a table christmas dinner it's full of different things so we've got uh, sprouts which belong in the bin of course uh we've got gravy we've got parsnips we've got all sorts of things and they're all good things but can anyone tell me what is missing from that table if you can see what what's what's missing from the table a turkey, a turkey. good grief yeah uh, in my in-laws family that would be a mushroom wellington but the way that the, the turkey finds its place is everything has to give way for the centerpiece for the most important bit of the meal so to repent means that other good things in our lives have to be put into their proper place in our lives good things crowd out the best thing so we need to make way make room so to repent means to recognize that things in our lives are out of order And we need to put God, Jesus, back into the center of our lives. We see that in verse 3. That was John's job, John the Baptist. These are his words. He is the one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. So John's job was to say, get ready, make way for the king. Jesus is coming. God is always calling his people all people, to put Jesus into the center of their lives. That's what it means to repent. Second one. Let's go on to the second image that we might have. Uh, It's of two people arguing. So these two people are arguing. Uh, Hands up if anyone has ever argued in their life before. Okay. Uh, Some of you need to put honesty on your Christmas list. Uh, But these two people are arguing. Both people think that they are in the right And both of them can't be right one must be wrong so for one to repent here would mean to recognize in head and in your heart that you are wrong and to tell the other person i'm sorry i was wrong so the man one of the men in this situation needs to make way clear out his wrong thinking in his mind and in his heart for the right way of thinking so repenting means making way for the king admitting that he knows what is best, his way is what's best, that you've lived your life in rebellion to the king. Again, when you look down at our passage in verse six, we see that people were were doing this. They were repenting because they were coming and confessing their sins and were baptized. So they were verbally admitting that they'd done things wrong against God, their king, and they were baptized, a symbol of being washed clean of their wrongs. So we make way for the king by taking ourselves off the throne of our lives and recognizing, saying sorry, and putting him back on the center. So, third picture. We've got uh, on the screen two coffee, uh two coffee grinders. Both belong to me. One of them's actually here. Oh, this one's here. Um, this is uh three years old. Um, it might not be obvious from afar, but um, this is a hunk of junk. Um, it's been, I've had this for three years different bits of it are broken it constantly jams It is an absolute nuisance it's stopped working it's not fit for purpose anymore uh, the one on the screen the nice fancy one is a present from both sides of my family to me which is a great present so the brand new one is better in every single way than this old hunk of junk and one of the ways that i show that the one on the screen the fancy one is better is superior is by making room Making way for it, which means there's only one place this hunk of junk has to go. It's in the bin. You're all wondering what that was for. (laughs) It's been replaced by something better, superior. The way I show that this is better is by removing, making way, getting rid of the old one and then using the superior one. In our passage, we look down at verse 8. And John the Baptist says to the Pharisees and Sadducees, You have to live out your repentance, replace and remove the old and the inferior of what is superior and better. Make way for the king, live for him. His ways are better than the old ways. So there you go, three pictures of what it means to repent or to make way for the king. I'm struggling. Put Jesus at the center, admit that you're wrong and live for him. So next question, who is to repent? Who's to repent? It's a really easy one. Everyone's to repent. Uh, you see in our passage, young and old, big and small, rich and poor, all people need to make way for the king. So in verse five, we see that all people from Jerusalem, Judea, the whole region were coming out to Jesus. And we actually see that perhaps most surprisingly, the people who need to repent are the religious people, the people who would be in church on a Sunday morning. John says to the Pharisees and Sadducees that they need to repent. They think that their uh, good behavior, perhaps their good family, makes them good enough for God. He says, no, you need to repent too. You need to make way for the king, for King Jesus who is coming. So there you go. Who needs to repent? Everyone. Look around you. Every single person in this room needs to repent. Let's ask the next question then. Why are we to repent? Why are we to repent? Repent. For the kingdom of heaven has come near. Before that tells us why we need to repent. The kingdom of heaven has come near. We, we thought about Christmas, didn't we? The king came down to earth. So John is saying to people, get ready for him by repenting, by making way for the king. This Christmas, no doubt you have had uh, spent lots of time getting ready, making way, making room for people to come into your house for presents, and making way for lots of food. And the reason we make way for those things is because we view them as important or valuable. John's message to the people was, the king is coming, the most important person in the universe. So get ready, make room in your lives for him. As we think about how to make way for the king in our lives, we're always to remember that we do this in response to the fact that he made a way for us to be right with God. We make way for Jesus because he made a way for us to come back to God by dying on a cross. As he dies on that cross, he is like a fountain, a fountain from which every blessing, every good thing flows from. He is the fountain of every blessing. Last question before we have a wee breather with a song. Uh, How important is repentance? How important is repentance? Uh, We're going to put five pictures up on the screen for you five pictures up on the screen, uh, and I'll give you the first one. So the first one is John the Baptist. With the people around you, who are these different people? And there's wee hints on the screen. Uh, I'll come around and get some answers. Who are these people? So we've got John the Baptist, who are the other four groups? Go on, you have 30 seconds, and I'll come around and get answers. Okay. Okay. Uh, Okay, I need four answers. Uh, We'll do the same, we'll reveal them all at the end. So, what do we think? Uh, give me an answer. Oh, Alfie's hand is straight up. <coughs> Rich is back. Class, amazing. Uh, Alfie.
0: Disciples. The disciples. Okay, that's one.
1: We got one answer. The disciples. Uh, give me some more. I don't know why I'm not looking at you. Uh, come on. Do you not know? Here's the hand. Are we, Paul? Give me another answer. Go on then. Jesus, always a safe answer in church. Yeah. Uh, okay, we've got two. Dan, and I'm coming to Alison after this, and get my step going. And we got Peter. We got Peter. Which one? Paul. Is that all? Yeah, we got four, didn't we? Okay show us if we've got the right answer okay we've got john the baptist the 12 disciples peter and paul so here's a slightly harder question which i will then answer uh what do all these people have in common have we think what do all these people have in common Is all right i'm gonna answer the question so they love the lord that's that is a good answer pete um here's what they all have in common The first words of their public ministry was, repent. Interesting, isn't it? We'll put the references below. But the the first words of their public ministry, whenever they go out into the world, John the Baptist says, repent. Jesus says, repent. The 12 disciples, when Jesus sends them out later, he says, tell people to repent. After he's risen from the grave, he says, tell people to repent. Peter, at Pentecost, tells them all about what the king has done for them. And he says, in light of everything Jesus has done for you, repent. Paul's first words of his ministry, repent. To put it simply, repentance is the first word of the gospel message. Without that word, nothing else we say will make sense. It's a big, biblical, weighty word. And without it, we will not understand the gospel properly. Perhaps it's what's missing often from our gospel presentation. Repent. Something has gone wrong in our lives. We need to turn and come back to the Lord Jesus. So that's something to think about. Let's sing a song. I haven't, I haven't given much leeway to the people. Yeah, let's sing a song. We're going to sing a song. Come thou fount of every blessing. Uh, there's a line in this song that always hits home for me where it talks about prone to wonder lord i feel it prone to leave the god i love that's all of us we are prone to wander away from the lord but since he's a good and kind king there's a way back to him he forgives us so let's stand and sing that before we look at the second part of our passage this this next section will be much shorter so we thought about making way for the king and now we're going to think about a life that makes way for the king There's a lot more, of course, that could be said about repentance, and you're in luck. In two weeks' time, uh, Jesus says these these exact same words, so we'll be thinking about it again in two weeks' time. Uh, And if you're a Christian here today, repentance isn't just the beginning of your Christian life, it's the rest of your Christian life. All of our lives we spend making way for the King. Let's look at John the Baptist, though. I I think he's a good sort of lived example, a model of what it looks like to make way for the king in our lives. Now, caveat here, of course, uh, none of us are John the Baptist. He was a, a prophet, but Jesus does say in Matthew 11, verse 11, that he's the greatest person ever born, which is quite a claim, isn't it? So, I think it's okay to learn some lessons from his life, for his life shows us that living for the king, making way for the king, is better. So, First thing we'll notice, uh, making way for the king means speaking about the king, speaking about Jesus. So in verses 1 and verse 3, we see that John the Baptist spoke, cried out, called out to people the message of the need to repent for the coming king. John, of course, was unique. He had the unique privilege of preparing people for the first coming of the king. We now have a different privilege of preparing people for the return of the king. It means speaking, sharing about the king's goodness to you, how repenting and following him has transformed your life. It's easy at Christmas, isn't it, to talk about the things that we love straight off our tongue at the dinner table. We talk about what we love the most. Making way for the king, for me, means talking about myself less and talking about him more. Second, I told you it was going to be quick. Second, making way for the king means a lifestyle that displays Jesus, that displays the king. <laughs> Look at verse four with me. It's a slightly gross insight into John's uh, fashion sense and his diet. Uh, verse four, let me read it. John's clothes are made of camel's hair, Youch! and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. So this insight confirms this that John. Is a prophet and he was a prophet like Elijah who we read about in second kings so John dressed like him and his ministry would be done in the spirit and power of Elijah meaning he would do similar good deeds great deeds to turn people back to the Lord both John and Elijah with this uh, unusual fashion sense and unusual diet told everyone they encountered that their priority was living for the coming king It affected where John lived. We read that he lived in the wilderness. It affected what he wore. He wore camel's hair and a leather belt. And what he ate, he ate locusts and honey. The coming king affected John's lifestyle choices. The fact that the king was coming affected how he lived. I wonder if we could say the same. Does Jesus' imminent return impact, just taking John's example, Does Jesus' imminent return impact where we live, what we wear, and what we eat? Now, this isn't, please don't, like, go down to Asda and say, do you have any lucas? Because I would love to uh, live for the coming king. No, this, and it's not like living in wherever in Wales is the wilderness. I will not say any places, in case anyone's offended. But as we hear this, that the coming king should impact where we live, what we eat, what we wear, Perhaps as we head into the new year with so many resolutions and commitments, perhaps it's just worth thinking, reflecting, and praying, do my lifestyle choices display that I'm living for a different coming king? Third, making way for the king means not diluting the message. I couldn't get a better word than diluting, so let me explain. In verse 7, John responds to the religious elite of the time coming out to see him. Now, the Pharisees and Sadducees were pretty important in the first century to the Jews. And you might think, okay, an endorsement from these guys might mean John could stop eating lucas. Uh, Perhaps he could get some softer robes made out of cotton. But look at John's response to them. It's pretty fierce. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come into where he was baptizing, he said to them, you brood of vipers. Translation, I'm not a big fan of yours. He's not exactly pandering to them, is he? John's very clear that all people need to make way for the king. He doesn't have favorites. He doesn't dilute the message to make it more tolerable, if that's the word, to other people. He doesn't want to appease the popular crowd or the loudest voice. And you might think that in here, well, Dave, this word repent is pretty unpopular in our day and age. Let's remind ourselves, though, that... People from everywhere were coming to hear this message. They'd heard the message that the culture was giving and they wanted to hear a different message, a better message, God's message. It would seem not marching to the beat of the culture's drum is exactly what drew people to John's message. Making way for the king means holding on to the hard news of repent, as well as the good news of believe. Fourth and finally, Making way for the king means recognizing the king's greatness. So John's life was that one that recognized what his role was. He wasn't the message. He was just the messenger. Verse 11, read with me. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. Making way for the king in your life means recognizing that Jesus is greater than you. He's more powerful. He can do what you cannot do. And he knows better than you do. When we recognize that, whenever uh, we decrease and he increases, we have a better perspective in life, don't we? That though we're not even worthy to untie or carry his sandals, he's called you his child. He's promised you a home in heaven. He's promised to be with you always until the end of the age. And he laid down his life. He made a way for you to come to God. Whenever we have that right perspective, whenever we recognize that Jesus is greater, we'll be able to sing and rejoice and say, all glory be to Christ our King. All glory be to Christ. His rule and reign will ever sing. All glory be to Christ. Let me pray.